Holy shit. There was literally a photo. It was a, it was a photo fucking finish? There, there was a photo finish of an 1,000-mile dog sled race. How is that possible? How tight is that? How is that? How is that? How is that actually possible? You are listening to the Dude Nature Podcast. Everyone, it's the Dude Nature Podcast. We are absolutely back. We're an absolutely packed episode. Welcome back to the Reactor. It's good to have you, Adam. What's How up, everyone? You? How are you doing? What's up? I'm doing great. I'm doing. I'm doing jolly. Jolly. Doing fantastic. I got some L-theanine in my coffee, which, as you know, gets rid of the jitters. We will see. Still have to test. Right, uh, guys. We love all the messages we've been getting on Instagram. Dude underscore Nature. If you love the show, please leave us a message at Dude underscore Nature. We would love to hear from you guys. Gripes, Noah gripe today these are the gripes we gripe to each other for 30 seconds each about something mildly irritating and i almost forgot to say the intro so what is your gripe my gripe why do i have to change my uh iphone battery every like three years like why does it just die why can't i have a battery that like actually lasts the length of the phone gone going gone what's your gripe gone. um where'd jack johnson go where, where he go? did he go where did he go Make a banana pancakes, pretend that it's the weekend. Do, 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 ba, yeah, do, ba, do. I was not a huge fan of Jack. You like Jack? No. Didn't Why didn't like you like Jack. Jack? I like Bob. Bob Marley. <laughs> the Black Jack. I like Black Jack. <laughs> this is not the same. It's not the same thing, is it? One is like a beachy guitar. The not other is like, is like Jar Rastafari. Not a huge fan of Jack. There it is. <laughs> Noah. Yeah. You ready to play a game? Yeah. Okay. Note to self, read the description, then ask for the title. Okay. I'm going to read the description of a movie, and you are going to tell me the title. And all these movies have something to do with Alaska. Okay. Okay. Sheriff Josh Hartnett leads the town of Barrow, Alaska, through their annual month of darkness when vampires come to feed on the unlucky townspeople. You remember Josh Hartnett? How much sex is he having? He's not having much sex. Really? Well, he has a love interest in it. Yeah, he has a love interest in it. Yeah. Be crazy. Yeah, he shacks up with his love interest. Okay. Leads. He's the sheriff that leads the town against vampires. What movie is that? In Barrow, Alaska. What movie is it called? The movie is called 30 Days of Night. It's also... I've also read the graphic novel. It's really cool. Really? Yeah. Against vampires in Alaska. Yeah. No, that sounds pretty cool, actually. The New York Rangers come to remote... I am not going to name with the remote place... Somewhere in Alaska as a publicity stunt to face off against the ice hockey obsessed townsfolk led by a player past his prime, uh-huh. a grizzled. Fucking, yeah. Yeah, baby. Russell Crowe. Yeah. Russell motherfucking And Crow. Mayor Burt Reynolds. Ah, uh, fuck. I know this one. Uh, something, Ala- it's something Alaska. It's something Alaska. I know this one. I've seen this movie. And what is the movie? The movie is Mystery Alaska. Mystery Alaska. And some people get taken on NHL teams, right? Yeah. One dude, one dude, the, the, the best dude does. He the, goes back on the, the helicopter young with them. The young dude, yeah. Isn't it, isn't it a true story? I, d- I don't think so. I really don't think so. I don't know. Damn, just like when I have I, no idea. When I was in my little village and the soccer team came and they took me. Yeah, you know right. I mean, I just thought that. My little would, village th- in Marin County, My California. little village in Marin County, California. I just think, I think I thought it would be the same thing. Um, Not the same experience, though. A deadly, ep- you're over two so far, so please get this one. A deadly epidemic strikes the remote town 
I don't want to. If I say the name of the town, I think it's going to give it away. A half wolf dog, voiced by Kevin Bacon, risks his life to rescue the town and deliver medicine. Um, I know this one because my section has to do with it. Oh, really? It's motherfucking Balto. Motherfucking Balto. Balto. 1995 Disney movie. Great Disney movie. We've watched. How many times do you think we've watched that movie? I need to watch it again. Haven't seen it in a while. Need to watch it again. His best. Need to. His best friends are a goose and a polar bear. How do we have that in common? <laughs> Crazy. No. What is our topic today? Our topic is the Alaska episode. Par usual, we have an absolutely packed show. We're going to talk about Alaska's relationship with oil and climate. They're going to have halftime weed, honey. Yeah, we got it right here. And then actually. we're gonna, and then we're going into sled dogs and Balto. Oh my god. Yeah, fuck it. That was my section. I oh kept my that god. I kept that secret from Adam. That's awesome. I didn't want to tell him. We're going we're doing sled dogs. Fucking sled dogs. We're going sledding. So absolutely sick. Um, did you ever play the Alaskan Trail? The the what's it called? There was the Oregon Trail, right? Which everyone played in middle school and high school. Mm-hmm. We even got to play Oregon Trail too. And then there was the I think it's called the Kodiak Trail. There was basically the Alaskan version where you got to race and bet on sled dogs. That's really, really cool. That's really tight. Yeah. I bet I bet that route that they were doing in the game was uh no by the way is Nome Alaska to Anchorage is it Nome is it or is it Nome? Oof. I think it's Nome Alaska. Uh oh, I don't know actually. Uh oh, pronunciation. Please. Hello, I don't there's know. There's gonna be a lot of bad pronunciation here. Yeah, police are gonna arrest us. All right, begins that don't suck. Adam, you have sixty seconds to tell us everything we need to know about Alaska to enjoy the episode. Are you ready? Three, two, one, begin. Alaska is a state like no other. Geographically, you know what? It's bigger than Texas, California, and Montana combined. It has North America's tallest mountain. And it's even illegal to whisper to someone while they are moose hunting in Alaska. Alaska is an hour drive from Russia if you take the Bering Strait and you put concrete over it because it's freezing cold seawater right now. Alaska is the only has the only U.S. capital not accessible by road. It's a very interesting place with very interesting and unique challenges. So today, Noah, we're going to head up north, 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 past that country that hates us, that starts with a C. <laughs> Once again, Canadian <laughs> listeners, Can- Canadians, we love you. Okay, we fucking you love you. You may not love we're us, sorry. But we love you. We're sorry, okay? We love you, okay? And up to the great state of Alaska to explore some of its mysteries and some of its dilemmas even. So, Noah. Yeah. What is our theme today? Our theme is frontier. Whoa. Front fucking tier. Alaska is a tough place. Still a lot of wild going on there. One of the last frontiers we truly have, Adam. Two tough towns and two tough teams. From the Philadelphia Eagles and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, you just, you just, that's a good NFL voice. Yeah. Good NFL voice. Thank you. Adam, let's start us off with Alaska's relationship with oil and climate. Note to self, cut that joke out of the <laughs> final cut. Okay, let's talk about Alaska and oil. Let's do it. What is Alaska's relationship to its oil production? And why is that coming into conflict with, guess who, Joe's new executive orders? We're going to start off with Alaska's unique land situation and the way it's owned. <clears throat> We're going to talk about oil and its economy. We're going to talk about the Trans-Alaskan Pipeline and how people are feeling about Joe Biden's climate policies so far. Everything oil and climate with Alaska. Exactly. So let's start off with Alaska's unique land situation. Alaska, unlike all other states, it's basically all federally owned rather than privately owned. For example, Texas is 95% privately owned. That's insane. 
Alaska. What's the percent of Alaska that's privately owned? You think? Like, please answer in the form of a question. What is thirty percent? Please say what is thirty percent, Alex. I said what is thirty percent, Alex. What is thirty percent, Alex? Uh, incorrect. It is one percent. One percent of Alaska is privately owned. Basically, the entire Alaska is federal land, and it's important to think about this because for Alaskans. And if you're, we know we have some Alaskan listeners. I can see you in our analytics. If anything we say is wrong, please reach out to us at dude underscore nature. We'd love to hear from you. Anything I'm sure say, that anything we say, I'm sure is that wrong. everything we say just is basically fucking, wrong. Yeah, you can just tell us. You know, um, so federal laws to Alaskans are very important because most of their land is federally owned, so That's it affects crazy. them it's, in different ways. It's not so it's ninety percent federally owned. So it's, it's not 90 percent. It's 99 percent federally owned. Oh Jesus! Yeah. Oh 99%? Jesus. 99 percent as compared to as compared to five um, percent of okay, Texas. Okay, that makes sense. So the so the laws have a huge impact. Right. The federal laws have a big impact. So one third of all federal lands in the nation are in Alaska, which is larger than Oregon, Washington, and California combined. So if you look at a map of the divisions of land in Alaska, it looks like a kaleidoscope. Okay, you got national parks like Denali. You got national forests. Sprinkled throughout there. You have native land and reservations. You have national wildlife refuges. And you have, of course, the Bureau of Land Management. That's what we're going to talk a lot about in this section. So included in the Bureau of Land Management is the North Slope of Alaska. What's the North Slope of Alaska? We're talking about the Alaskan coast on the north side, which is where much of the oil drilling goes on. In fact, there is a federally owned petroleum reserve on the North Slope. Okay? And of course, I didn't write down the actual name of it, but we're going to call it the Petroleum Reserve. I think that's actually kind of what it's called. Prime Minister of France. Prime Minister of France, once again. Exactly. Right? Okay. So there's a North Slope area, and then there's the Bureau of Land Management owns a large part of it, and that is specifically for drilling oil. Make sense? Yes, there's a federal reserve out there in Alaska. And if that's you, what I got right. from what you said. And if you were to look at there. a ma- if you were to look at a map, a map of Alaska, what you see is a tapestry of different colors of federal land. From national parks, okay, very cool. right, to wildlife refuges, national forests, land management for uses, right? Okay, so this area of the North Slope, it looks like an icy swamp. It's actually pretty flat which is different than the, the giant mountains when you think of Alaska. It's like wet, swampy, it looks fucking freezing, and lots of caribou live out there. And like I was saying, because Alaska is so federally owned, these laws affect Alaskans differently than if you were in a normal state like Texas or California or something like that. Let's get into some stats. Oil is the absolute backbone of Alaska's economy. Not only its backbone, it's basically its, its life force, Okay. This is, all these stats are according to the Resource, Resource Development Council for Alaska. Oil production is 90%, Noah, of the state's general revenues in most years. It has accounted for over $180 billion in total revenue since Alaska became a state. It's 90% of the total revenue? Yes. Oil producers so and shippers pay a, a, a very hefty tax to the state to use its resources. So Alaska used to be the most taxed state for its for its um, citizens. But of course, now it is the least taxed state, just like Texas, because it has no state income tax. I see. Okay. The oil industry also accounts for a quarter of all jobs in Alaska. 
Ah, the complicated Alaska relationship. Right. Because these are probably people that moved out there. A quarter they, of all jobs. And if you but, take if you take into account its jobs and all the support jobs, it's half of Alaska's economy is tied into the oil industry. It's crazy because when you think about people that are probably that are still out there and moved out there, they probably are out there for the wilderness. They love the wild, but like the oil is where you have to get the money. Well, some, yeah. Some some would move out there for the wild. Right? But I mean, there's yeah. many people on reservations. Well, what, I'm, what I'm saying, Adam, is yeah. the paradox, the dichotomy you see right. between between working in the working in oil but also being out there for the wilderness. Exactly. Yes. Right? But exactly. that is Alaska in a nutshell. That is that is. See what I did there? You know, it's a catch twenty two of life, one of those things, right? It it's is. ironic. It is. You some some people are vegetarian but sell goods made from China. Exactly. Who would you be speaking of? Adam. Not I. Not I said the fly. Um for each job in the oil industry, Noah, there are 15 additional support jobs. And just to make this point pretty clear, when the TAP pipeline that we're going to talk about in a second, the TAP, the Trans-Alaskan Pipeline. And you can say it now. Can I say it now? It's actually in here for me to is say. Is it? Yeah. You could just, I just, the you need to reiterate okay. what is All right, what we're going to say it right now. Here's what we're going to do. if you don't like poop talk, it's time for you to skip. If you don't like poop talk, go ahead and hit the 30 seconds plus on your podcast player and come back and now you're and now i'm going to give you a second to do it and now we're going to get in some poop talk okay here the goes. alaskan pipeline according to urban dictionary the act of pooping in a condom yep freezing the rubber overnight freeze it then inserting it into one's anus yes okay poop talk done and that is the alaskan pipeline so when the actual trans-alaskan pipeline was built in fairbanks alaska <laughs> fairbanks became trojans a- I'm done. You, I have to you done? one. I, can we have? Can we have? We can a, go back to having. Can we have an adult podcast? We, we can here? go back to having a mature conversation. Uh, when the pipeline was built in Fairbanks, Alaska, it came in Boomtown. So the pipe workers, people who worked pipe, yeah, fucking just yeah, say it. people yep. who worked pipe, they worked pipe. They were paid extremely well when the Trans-Alaskan Pipeline came into play in the 70s. Home prices shot up 200, percent and nobody wanted to be a non-pipe worker. Basically, so they're all working pipe. So much so that high school students had to work in the restaurants because nobody wanted to be a restaurant worker. Everybody wow. wanted to work pipe. So the high school ran in two shifts, Holy one in shit. the morning and one for the at state. night for the state. Yeah. One for Fairbanks, for the city of Fairbanks. All right. So you're describing how integral the oil is yes. into the community. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. You got it. Oh, your reading comprehension is hundred percent. Me. Oh there you God. go. Right. Okay. One in the morning, one at night. This is my coffee. Sometimes high schoolers would work an eight hour. Sh- uh, they would work an eight hour shift on the pipeline and then go to school at night. Jesus. Yeah. Right. So that's how tied into Alaskan culture and Alaskan history oil development is. From 1980 to 2000, Alaska's oil and gas were 20% of the nation's oil domestic product. All right. Let's talk a little bit about the type. And Noah, actually, before we get a little bit further, what do you make of it so far? Um, I think it's really interesting because I think that as, as we've discussed, this is the big issue with Alaska, beautiful wilderness that you want to preserve, but people need money. So what do you do here? People need money. People's children need money. Families. Yeah. What are we going to do? It's tough. Okay. So the Trans-Alaskan Pipeline is a giant pipe. Guess what? That crosses Alaska vertically from the North Slope, right? Like I was saying, North Slope. To the town of Valdez in the south. It when it was first built and still is an engineering marvel. Because it solved a lot of engineering problems concerning permafrost. So like how do you keep the oil right. from freezing, freezing inside of the pipe? This is one of the problems. You have to keep oil in the pipe moving quickly. 
So recently, since the oil production has slowed down, the oil in the pipe is slowing down and it's starting Freezing. to freeze in the pipe. You actually have to keep the production above a certain percentage in the pipe. Right now, it's running at a quarter of its usual percent. Is that because of Corona? Because of the less cars? There's no demand for oil right now. It's, it's just plummeted. Because of less commuting, right? Yeah. Yes. The environmental movement, there's less less because of Corona. Joe, Joe doesn't like it. Joe. Um, so, for example, alongside the pipe in some sections, there's these giant forks, these big metal forks. And what they do is they take heat from the air and they recycle it down towards the pipe to heat up the outside of it. Huh. Yeah. So that's how difficult it was to make it. I was When I was looking at pictures of the pipe, I was like, what is to stop an absolute jackass from going up there with a buzzsaw, with a chainsaw, and just wrecking the pipe? I don't know. Oh, because like it, it goes through all this like land that no one is there? So Alaska, right? It's kind of a square. Let it just goes you. up. It just goes vertically down the whole square from the north to the south. Right. Right. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, that shit, because I, I, we, I worked cleaning oil spills in West Texas. Can you please talk about cleaning oil spills a Absolutely. little closer to your mic? I worked cleaning oil spills in West Texas. That shit happens all the time. People just vandalize it, right? Yes. Yeah. So I was wondering what stops people from vandalizing it. I, I don't actually know, but I would be curious to Nothing. find out about these pipes. All right. Let's talk about some of the challenges of, with Joe's climate policies. So we've we've talked about how integral oil is to the Alaskan culture and the economy and the jobs and for families up there. So what is happening with Joe's climate policies? Is this going to kill the income that they need there? Okay. So Biden as we know signed an executive order and which we which we support 100% Delaying new oil and gas leases on federal land until a review that considers climate change impacts is completed, right? And there's no timeline set for the length of this review, Noah. It's very up in the air. So here's some quotes against this order. This is from Bill Armstrong of Armstrong Oil and Gas. And guess what? He doesn't really like it. The federal government is declaring a war on Alaska, said Armstrong. Every Alaskan should be super nervous about this. Okay. Before you respond, here's a quote for it. This is by Deborah Williams, the Interior Department's former top official in Alaska. Okay. She said that Alaska needs to transition basically away from oil and gas. Yes. From a dying industry to the economies of the future. What do you think? Um, I totally agree. I think the, the problem is that with that kind of, with the kind of thinking that we need to just keep like putting our head in the sand and just, just going with these same jobs. That's why that's where we get to a horrible place. We need to transition. These jobs don't have to be through oil and gas. They can be through renewable resources. Right? We can make other we can make other jobs. We can yeah. make other jobs by transitioning the energy. I think the thought that we're gonna lose we're gonna lose all jobs from getting rid of oil. We're gonna have more other jobs from other the other sources. Well, that's what Biden says. But is that actually reality that we're gonna create <laughs> enough jobs? So for what these do you families? put out like what do you put out in Alaska to like how, what energies, what re- renewable al- alternate energy would do good out there? Do you know what I mean? Right. Right. Exactly. Like seriously. How do what, you create what, the same amount of jobs? I don't know. Could you do solar panels when it's like daytime all the time? Could you do wind? Could you do hydro? Could you do, is there geothermal Freezes. shit going on? Is right. it, can you take an Alaskan pipeline, like the anal right, condom exactly. and make that into an energy source? hundred percent. So um, without the oil, it could be honestly tough out there. Cause it, yeah. is it just tourism? Abs- it, absolutely. It's, it is fisheries, tourism, and oil. Basically. Yeah. And you, I, I think you can see how it'd be tough to replace the oil. 
Okay, so Biden also signed a new executive order that required that approval for drilling and gas activity be made by department leaders and not agencies within the department. So making it much harder to get approval for drilling. As Biden quoted, we're going to review and reset the oil and gas leasing program, which he already has. So a lawyer on the leasing, a lawyer's take, this lawyer is named Eric Schlenker Goodrich. Schlenker Goodrich. Okay. Is it a hyphenated name? It is. Okay. And now I'm changing my gripe. Hyphenated names. Go ahead. Don't do that to your kids. Yeah. Because because as you said, if you you know like where they have like the one last name right. and then hyphen the other. If you keep the if pattern. You, right. If you so you're basically setting up a pattern that by like the fifth generation, it's gonna be it's gonna be, you know, it's gonna be have five things. What are you gonna Taylor, do? Taylor, Schmidt, Schwartz, Weitzman, what are you gonna, are you gonna keep hyphenating? Are you just are yeah, right. Are you just going to keep hyphenating the last name? Because then you're, we're you're, gonna be in a world of shit, right? You're setting a whole world of shit. Up, if you do that. If you're setting up a pattern that is insane, right? Okay, that's my gripe. Continue. Okay, he said that uh, nationally, many millions of acres of federal land are already under lease to oil and gas companies, and many have yet to be developed. So the pause on leasing won't have much of an impact immediately. That's what he said. Okay, let's go to John Kerry. Why is John Kerry so important right now? Well, he's the United States Special Presidential Envoy for Climate. He's, he's getting a lot of stick because of traveling on a private jet, as we talked about in our Biden episode. Um, and as we know, liberal policies are often ridiculed for their hypocrisy. So he's getting he's getting it for this. He says what B- President Biden wants to do is to make sure those folks, the folks in Alaska, have better choices, that they have alternatives, that they, that they can be the people who go to work and make the solar panels that we're making them here at home. That it's going to be a particular focus of the Build Back Better. That's a terrible sentence for podcasts and plosives. Build, agenda. Yeah. Okay. So he. So okay. Hold on. So so what he's saying is that we're tra- we're going to transition those jobs. So right now we have two sides. The Biden side is saying exactly we are going to transition those jobs to renewable sources, and Alaskan people are saying are worried, scared, and mm-hmm. worried about what's going to happen to the economy. All right. Yeah, no, I, I see how I see how this is a real issue. As Alaska's National Resource Commissioner said, the problem for Alaska is these things don't work out well for us. Okay, economists, when they've been asked these questions about Alaska, say they are there are renewable energy prospects there, including wind, that can re- replace diesel fuel generators in villages. But those jobs are currently no match for the value of the oil industry in Alaska. Those are those are my words summing up what they were saying. It's very tough. It's it's very tough. I, but if we continue with that, if we continue with that thinking, we are never going to make any progress anywhere. Correct. So what 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 do you think is the solution here? Someone from Alaska well, would be like, "Well, I don't care because I need money to feed my family." So let me talk to you about a cool startup accelerator in Alaska. Sick. Okay. This is called Launch Alaska. First of all, every company at Launch Alaska, their accelerator, has a corporate icon. Corporate logo. I don't understand where companies, as an aside, are getting corporate logos. What do you mean by corporate logo? It, it looks like uh, it yeah, looks I, like IBM or something. Like a really like, bad logo. Like a really bad pixel a, art logo. A logo that someone made in in you know word art. Why like can't they go to Nine Nine Designs? Why or and get a logo that looks modern and cool? Or well, just like make it. But where? No, seriously. Where are they going to get these logo designs that are so corpy? There like must be like where? an agency that just makes like, we will make a Dell logo that Corp- looks super Corpy as fuck logos. So they're just boomer logos. They're so corpy. Okay. 
So this is a startup accelerator for Alaska's changing industries. For example, these are some of the companies in their portfolio. They have Ampere, which is making electric aircrafts. And um, small aircrafts are really common in Alaska, like bush pilots and right. stuff. That's really tight. Blue Planet Energy, which is an alternative energy company. Sensible Heat, which helps consumers use less heat so they have less bill. And Shorelock, which reduces erosion because Alaska's industry is tourism, coastal tourism, a big part of it. So they want to keep those places from disintegrating. So this this accelerator is for companies launch that, Alaska companies that will help to fix. Yes, companies that will help issue. to fix the job issue. But as but I mean they're not going to do the whole thing. And the no. transition, my thoughts are, the transition is going to be very very difficult for a lot of people. For sure, sounds like it's going to be really bad. For sounds like a lot of people are going to have to move out of Alaska. Right. So I what I didn't what I learned by doing this is that Alaska and oil are tied together okay can i ask you this yeah now i want to ask so you did the alaska research so what what would you do what would uh, i do yeah what would you do about this about this it seems you're gonna lose something you're either gonna lose the jobs or you're gonna lose the environment yeah so what what would you do hmm. i really i really love transit i like transitioning slowly away from oil and gas and i think that carbon credits are a really good way to do it like establishing a carbon market where that these oil companies have to pay they have to pay companies to do sustainable activities like grow seaweed or sustainable fishing or growing, you know, sustainable shrimp farms or so, whatever. So that keeps the jobs, but mitigating the that will generate disaster. that generates more jobs to the renewable sector and it will slowly start to phase out oil and gas. But if you if you like wield the club, right? If you're someone and you're just like no more oil and gas, no leasing, that it's just gonna be very difficult for a lot of people. You have to slowly transition out of it. Like what Obama did with the auto industry. When he's setting certain check marks for them, like by 2035, X amount of cars need to be electric, right? We need to do the same thing with oil and gas. We can't just cut it off. You know, these are people like the kids of these families, they don't have a choice to be born into these economies, right? What, what, why are we going to make them suffer? We have to at least give people a chance to switch over. That's what I would say. Good take. I like that take. Okay. So we're going to take a musical break. And after that, it is time... They have time, honey. Do you think one could have sex to Klezmer music? Probably not. Not really boner inducing you know what i mean not at all no yeah this is the halftime honey toast where we discuss and celebrate some absurd science in the news that is somehow related to our episode so i find the story and noah responds with his immediate thoughts i thought about doing it in an irish accent and then i also thought about doing it in an announcer voice and they both didn't happen so right kind of got a weird did inflection a, at did the it end in a jewish voice yeah right a small jewish man's voice um Noah? Yeah. I raised my glass of halftime honey. What are we drinking? You guys know what we're drinking. We're drinking the motherfucking Jack fucking Daniels dropping off big packs of money at our doorstep. Leave that bag. Leave that bag. You can go. Appreciate we don't need it. to talk to you. Just leave the bag and leave, please. This halftime honey toast is to the state, the great state of Alaska. And Fuck thank yeah. you for listening to this podcast. Those of you who live in Alaska. Thank you. Those of you who live in Alaska. Please tell us everything we're doing wrong at please Instagram, do. Twitter, and Nature. That in spite of the tremendous geographical challenges of distributing the vaccine, 
Alaska currently leads the nation in vaccines per capita somehow, which is crazy. So on Twitter, Ann Zink, the chief medical officer said, we have seen vaccines go out on helicopters. She's the chief medical officer of Alaska. We have seen vaccines go out on helicopters, planes, cars, dog sleds, and ferries. We have seen drive up by boat, walk up, or snow machine to vaccine sites. We have seen vaccines hand delivered to homes, nursing homes, work sites, and hospital workers on shift. So this toast is to the state of Alaska for distributing the vaccine effectively. L'chaim, Alaska. Wait, where? That was a good one. Oh, we got a new, we got a new Jack Honey. That's why it's good. What do you good think? Good year. Great year on this Jack Honey. Thoughts? My thoughts are that it goes to my theme, honestly, Frontier. These are just tough people that live in Alaska and they're resourceful and they know how to get shit done, honestly. And so I think that living in Alaska, you're presented with a lot of problems probably all, all the time and they're very good problem solvers. So good on you, Alaska. Great to have Alaska in the nation. Light up this bowl you know, to Alaska and I will pass yeah, the bowl Alaska. to you. We love you. Take a hit of the marijuana. This is for you, Alaska. Zinc. Is weed legal in, in Alaska? Oh, I'm not positive. I'm not positive. Okay. It's probably a fair amount of chronic being smoked up there right now. I mean, I, I assume think so. there's a fair I think amount Bal- of Do you think Balto hit the chronic when he was trying to find a steal, the other dog, the mean dog that was mean to him? But he was like, you know what? Oh, you I'm really such- remember the movie. Yeah, of course. And then they, then they become friends. Or no, they don't become friends. Steel tries to kill him. In a children's movie? Yeah. Good. Life and death struggle. Right. Disney, Disney, movie, Disney movie fights with the antagonist go like this. Okay. Protagonist, he gets ahead. Antagonist, he, he's gonna, he's, he yeah. swipes back. Protagonist, he rescues him. He, the, the antagonist is gonna die. He's gonna fall off a cliff. Protagonist rescues him. And, and then, then the, the antagonist, antagonist tries takes, something real fucking merciless, shady. Merciless. And because of his shadiness, like he tries to kick, he like kicks himself off. He kills himself. You know, you can't have the protagonist killing right, because he's kill su- anyone. He's such a dick that he then dies. He then of his own, his own the dickness. That if you are a dick, bad things will happen to you. Right. Of course. All right. Now that you are done smoking that sweet, sweet chronic, can you please tell us about dog sledding in Alaska? Your surprise right. category. Guys, talk about slod, sled dogs and Balto. First of all, we're going to speak about sled dogs and Balto. Okay. Hold on to your pants because this section is really cool. My pants are hold already Hold on off. to your Alaskan pipeline that you already have. Oh, God. All right. Here we go. So sled dog racing, Adam, is, is Alaska's official state sport. Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. The greatest sled dog race in the world is known as the Iditarod. Oh, is it? <laughs> how do you say it? Oh, Do you my fucking God. know how to say it, actually? In, in a Balto, it's Iditarod. There, thank you. God, you came in. <laughs> Iditarod. For once in your life, you've come in. Okay. Yeah, baby. Say it, say it again. Iditarod. Okay. okay the Iditarod, a- thank God. The Iditarod is, comes from the Alaskan travel language, which means distant place. It's the it is the greatest sled dog race. It the it, it the Iditarod. I'm an idiot. The Iditarod literally goes from the bottom of Alaska in Anchorage all the way up to Nome, Alaska. So basically, look at the bottom of Alaska, look at the north, draw one line going across the whole thing, and that's the Iditarod, a thousand miles long. It's a sled dog race that's a thousand miles long. Adam, amazing. Yeah, people that have done it's longer than the pipeline than the oil pipeline. Yeah, well, certain pipelines. People that have done both Everest and the Iditarod, mm-hmm. they say that the Iditarod is harder. In what way is it harder? It's harder because, so Everest, you you have more chance of dying 
for sure. But the Iditarod to finish is actually harder. And the, the reason is, is because you're out there alone with 16 dogs in the, in the Alaskan wilderness across two mountain ranges trying to get to the other line. And when you go up Everest, you're with a team of people, right? Mm-hmm. In the Iditarod, you, it is just you trying to manage 16 dogs alone. How long does it take? So last, like last year's winter in 2020, it took them 10 days to get all the way. The record is like eight days. Oh my God. How far do they go on these sleds a thousand per day? miles. Wait, but per, Total. per day. Okay. Well, they you go like a hundred miles so a day. So you take 10. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so you, so you take 10. Take 10. And you therefore divide by 10. Right. A thousand divided by 10. Anyway. That's a lot so, of miles. Yeah. Last year, last year it took 10 days to get all the way. Yeah. The record is like eight days and the longest it's ever. So the, the last place gets what's called the Red Lantern Award. And yeah. it's basically an award for perseverance. It's really cool. Oh, the last place? The last place gets the award for perseverance because they've been out there for so long. How many days? So like th- there's uh, the record last place was like 31 days. What the fuck? What were they doing? Just surviving? Fucking surviving and trying Wait, to get out there. What are they feeding the dog? I have so many questions. I, I know. So the dog. So let's go to food for the dogs. Yeah. The dogs, they have to manage 16 sled dogs. The dogs take 10 to 16,000 calories a day. That's the equivalent of 10 hamburgers each dog each dog needs 10 hamburgers a day that's because that's how that's how many calories they're burning okay so you have to carry all that how, how big is the team and how much weight are you carrying again on the sled? 16 dogs usually on average not sure the weight of the sled that would have been a good thing to research but yep. i'm not sure 16 digs 16 digs and each one needs 10 to sixteen thousand calories a day or 10 burgers crazy thing they're once they're, they're i did it 10 times 10 is 1,000 times 16, right, is 16,000. Inches around. Think about it. <laughs> Fo- so fo- photo finish. 16,000 burgers. Shut up. Fo- 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 photo finish. There was, ro- there was once a, r- a race in which there was like a photo line finish, basically. So after 10 days of being out there, the race came down to the nose of the first dog in the lead sled. Holy shit. There's literally a photo. It was a, it was a photo fucking finish? There, there was a photo finish of an 1,000-mile dog sled race. How is that possible? How tight is that? How is that, how is that, how is that actually possible? That, it, it happened. Oh, my God. The, so the Iditarod is just a bunch of Alaskan. What did the fucking winner it's say just about, It's just a bunch of Alaskan absolute OGs. Um, what, what did the winner say right when he had won? After that photo finish. I don't know, but it's unbelievable. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you always get me. I'm never like, I'm never ready. That was good. In the early 90s, so what's the history of the race? How did it even come to be? In the early 1900s, he asked, he asked in the early 1900s, dog sleds were ubiquitous, which is a huge word for me, to Alaskans as cars. So that's literally how they got around. They just had dog sleds in the early 1900s. The Iditarod Trail was originally traveled up and down by dog sledders connecting between Alaska's various towns during Alaska's different gold rushes, Adam. Okay. So that's so this trail was used a lot to just connect. And they used to, this is it's Alaska's state sport. They used to dog sled everywhere. However, in the 1960s, what's known as the Iron Dog, you probably mm-hmm. guess what the Iron Dog is. Car? The snowmobile. Oh, okay. Pretty much eliminated the the awesomeness of dog sledding. That sucks. Yeah. So basically, instead of having like an amazing intimate relationship, metal with, chariot, intimate relationship with sixteen dogs, you get to wax your snowmobile. 
snowmobile and change the soil. Oh, God. So technology makes us so much happier. Okay. The race was started as a way to commemorate dog sledding, dog sledding save its history, and, and has been going on ever since, including it's amazing. this year. They're having it this year, but they had to switch the... They had just they switched actually to make it more remote, so they didn't go through the village. One thing that coronavirus can't stop is remote dog sledding. Like I said, Alaska. What's our theme? Frontier. These people are tough. Yeah, they don't just fucking stop their race. Who, who competes? Are we gonna get into that? Oh, we're getting into the competitors. Okay, you think I wouldn't talk about the competitors of this race? Yeah, they're unfucking real. Let's talk, we talked a little bit about the toughness of the race. It goes through two Alaskan mountain ranges. You have to compete with ground blizzards, sea ice, wildlife encounters. They're all that you got to manage yourself and your 16 dogs. Temperatures can plummet to minus 50 and have been actually minus 50. They've been actually recorded at minus 100. Where, just in the frozen wasteland? During this this thousand mile race that the absolute OGs of Alaska pulls the dog sled through. My God. My God. Yeah. My God. What are the dogs? The dogs are typically Alaskan husky breed and oh, they weigh yeah. about, interestingly, they weigh about 50 pounds. So much smaller than you might think, the size of my dog, a medium-sized dog. According to Cindy Abbott, who we talked about a little bit, uh, she said that the Ita- she's on Everest and the Ititara, and she said that- the- <laughs> I did Jack a rod, f- motherfucker. God fucking damn I it. I did a rod. I hate this name. I did tarred. What is wrong? I, I did a rod. What is wrong with butchering the pronunciation? No, 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 no. What's wrong? <laughs> I know what's wrong with that. What's wrong it's, with me? It's not, it's like you're literally Jason. It's like Jason Voorhees is in here with the pronunciation. You're fucking, it's like Friday the 13th of pronunciation. I mean, it's not even close. It's not even close. I'm going to take my fucking pants off. <laughs> if, I had my, if I gave myself a coffee enema or stem cell injection into my wiener, listen to new, new Travis episode, I'd be fine. So the, so she said the Iditarod is harder. Only seven of, only 750 people have ever completed it since its, its inception. 170? 750. Okay. Uh, uh, compared to Everest, which has a lot, lot more. Wow. Well, you have to be a pretty good dog sledder, right? Like, yeah. where do you even train? Where do you fucking train to be a dog sledder? In Alaska. Honestly. Like, where though? So, in remote actually, areas? some people are from like Montana or Wyoming. Uh, people other f- remote areas. Yeah, so, so what's really cool about the Iditarod is that people internationally from Finland and all these cold places, Montana, Wyoming, they'll all, they'll all fly into, to do this. Like the best, it's the best cold dog people. sledding. It's basically like, it's considered the Mecca of, of, cold do- people. of dog sledding race of cold, of cold, just being fucking cold. It's the Mecca of literally just being cold for a thousand miles. Uh, how many people have died doing it? Not sure. Okay. Good question. When, so Cindy, Cindy Abbott, the one that said that it was harder than Everest, Mm-hmm. When she did the Iditarod, she said that she didn't see a single person. I smoke weed with Cindy Abbott. I know, and Johns Hopkins. She didn't see a single person for the entire thousand miles. <laughs> so, like, a lot of times you'll see, like, right, like another sled or something. She said that for the entire thousand miles, she didn't see a single person. God, that's so that's why it's harder is because it's just you out there surviving. So they okay. do they do have check. So if you're thinking about this is really mean to the dogs, they do have checkpoints with veterinarians. Oh, at each checkpoint. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. What happens to the dogs? Do they do they sleep with the dogs? Like, how does that work to stay warm? They sleep with some some sleep. It's depending on your strategy. Some some sleep with the dogs. Some some sleep separately. I mean, you basically like become one of the dogs. Can you shed light on the whole pack mentality? Like Balto had to fight his way to become an alpha, or like in so, in, uh, in Jack London's books, right. like White Fang and stuff. There's right. this whole Honestly, dog my research society. Center, my research centered more on on the race itself and this awesome story I'm going to get into. 
but I would I would love to know more about about the dog, about oh, the dog, about the dog. So himself. disappointing. It is so disappointing. Um, ESPN said the Iditarod is probably is considered probably the last great race on Earth. In 2010, ESP, ESPN wrote that Lance McKay, he was a four time Iditarod champion, was the toughest athlete on the planet. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Just to give you an idea of like how hard this thing is, Lance talk about some of Lance's injuries. In 2001, Lance... Oh, fucking Lance Armstrong? I mean, Another Lance. Lance. Honestly, name your kid Lance. It's a good idea. Yeah, I know. Lance was a liar. Blah, 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 blah. He's still fast. Rip their balls off, Lance. Rip balls off, Lance. One ball, Lance. <laughs> also singer for NSYNC. Lance Bass. Lance, Lance Bass. Yeah. And remember, he, it was him or fucking the dude from Backstreet Boys? Nick Lachey. No. Lachey. Nope. That's, that's, NSYNC, that's 90 Degrees. It's 98 degrees. Oh my god. Nick Guarantee Lachey. It. Yeah. Lance Bass. Yep. I oh. saw one of them in a play on Broadway. No. Joey something. No, who was the lead singer for Backstreet Boys? You know this. Yeah, it's uh it's Nick Carter. Right? Yeah. Brother of Aaron, Aaron Carter. Carter's brother, my house, Aaron Carter. Yeah. In 2001, when Lance crossed the finish line, he collapsed in his wife's arms. Again, this is the winner of four Iditarods. Well, I told her he needed to go to the hospital. Doctors doctors removed a softball-sized malignant tumor as well as his saliva glands, right molars, and a significant amount of flesh around his throat. What? So the doctors had to remove all this shit because they got damaged during the oh thing. Oh, my God. A tumor? Yeah. He had a tumor? Why? I, I will share pictures of these dudes that do this. They just look like motherfucking Alaskan men. Dudes with absolute huevos. Dudes with absolute huevos. Fruits on them. Dudes with fruits on them. Dudes That's with fruits. Like. Dudes with fruits. It's funny because we just had a new Travis episode, which is about dudes without fruits. And this is about dudes with fruits that do this shit. It's good. It's good I to hear the difference. I couldn't see two different kinds, more different kinds of people. Yeah. The radiation treatment that followed for Lance, it fried his gums, jaws, and left him with dead or damaged nerves in multiple fingers and toes, which basically caused him pain all the time. Mm-hmm. Seven years later, Lance didn't give a fuck. He won again. Jesus. You think a little removal of body parts can stop someone that's finished the, the Iditarod? Do you win? What do you How win? do you say it again? What's the price? Can you say it? Can you tell me how to say it again? When did, you, when did you turn into Freddy Krueger of pronunciation? I mean, you've Man. always been bad, but this is Man. like an epically no, bad. This is this is insane. Why do you keep saying I did Tara? How do you say it again? Can we get you, can we get you into some sort of class? Just for your, how do you your fucking kind of say people? it? How do you fucking I say did it? Again? A, so I, I did a rod, people. right? I, I did, did a rod. I did a rod. All right, Tarad. What you, what even is that? I, this is, it's something I came up with. Is that like is? Do you think it's like Maori or something? I'm going back. I'm going back to dog sledding. All right. <laughs> I did a rod. I now I even fucking forgot. So basically, Lance Bass basically killed himself. What? But but then no. But then seven years later, he won again. I'm saying. What I'm do saying. you win when you win? What do you, I mean? What so do you get? This is really cool. When you win, you only win like seven. You win seventy thousand dollars, which is not that much for a winner of a huge race, and you get a a free truck. Like what kind of truck? A four, last year was a Ram. A Ram, like a like a Ram, like the equivalent of the Ford, the F one fifty Ram. Great marketing for Ram. Great marketing for Ram. You'd rather have that Ford though, hundred percent. F one fifty. You'd rather have that F-150. the Texas edition. Oh yeah. So like a Ford Ranger, uh, perhaps. No. But so 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 basically, just no, no, because not at all the, like a Ford, the Ford Ranger. Ranger is a shitty ass. little truck. <laughs> so when you win, you get seventy thousand dollars. You get a Ford F one fifty, and everyone in Alaska thinks you're a badass and loves you. That's great. Which is the real That's the, the real, real winning. As Lance McKay says, he doesn't have most mushers have a seat on their sled. They're called mushers, the people that drive the sleds, Adam. Most of them have a seat on the sled. Lance doesn't have a seat on his sled. Mm-hmm. 
as he says, I don't want to be comfortable out there. Not many, many bosses let you sit around and be lazy. And then Lance gestured toward his dogs. My bosses are expecting me to go to work. Fucking dog, man. Jesus Christ. What a yeah, quote. that's the people. So this is another musher. We're getting the mushers now. Elliot Anderson. Two nights. This is just something that happens in Alaska. Two nights before the race started, he had a moose wander in his kennel with his dogs. This is before embarking on this race. Mm-hmm. Before even starting. He had a moose just wander into the kennel. Have you, do you know how big, big a moose is? Huge. It's fucking huge. So it's very dangerous for the dogs. Because the dogs are going crazy barking. And the moose is trampling around. Oh, no. So he had to run into the kennel and shoot the moose. What? And shoot it. But And shooting a moose... Can you imagine like shooting that huge animal around? Oh, so, yeah, it's they, not like easy. What do they bring out there? A rifle, a desert, or a desert eagle, oh, like a nine? Dude, they have, they, they're strapped. They have, they're yeah, strapped. Yeah, but what I'm saying, this is before the race even started. Oh, before the race At started. At the kennel, before the race started, he had to shoot a moose. A moose wandered into the kennel. It's fucking Alaska. Okay, another Elliot story. He said sometimes the race comes down to just survival. He said he had I had too much power, so I let ten dogs run free and just had six pulling the sled. You're not supposed to do that. But I was thinking about the race. At, I wasn't thinking about the race at that point. I was thinking about survival. Where did the 10 dogs go? They just ran next to the next to the sled. He just he, did, he didn't want them to pull the sled. Why? He said it was too much power. Too much horsepower? Like too much I dog wish, power? Kind of like how I wish my pecker was smaller. Right. I have to do that all the time when I'm just, yeah, yeah, yeah. just, too much, just too masturbating. Much. Yeah, <laughs> just too, too much. much power. No fab. Um, Billy Snodgrass. <laughs> another competitor. These are just a Tom last- Brady? Tom, Who's these, the these Tom Brady? Allowed, the, yeah. So there is a Tom Brady. There's yeah. a there's a Tom Brady that's won that's won five times, and they say that it'll never be repeated. Oh my god. Yeah. So Billy Snodgrass, he said on bringing one of his favorite foods, he likes to bring around uh, along some cheesecake. Ooh. Okay. Why? He says this. It's a good free food to bring on the race. It stays relatively soft in the cold, but it's like ice at 50 degrees below. So uh, so he tells the story about eating it. So I'm hacking away at this piece of cheesecake with my axe. Pieces are flying everywhere, and the dogs start to go for it. I'm groveling around with the dogs, going for the cheesecake with them. So you can imagine just a man out in the middle of nowhere with no one around him, just groveling on the ground for cheesecake crumbs with his dogs. What you say? Not sure if this fits with the section, but you fucking wanted to play. I committed. I committed to singing that whole section. Listen, it's a guy groveling around for cheesecake, and I gotta get it in. So what, do what, do want, what do you think about? What do you think about the the tarad? Oh no, the I, the id. What do yeah. you think about the id? There, there you is. go. That's good. That's what I do. From the I same do man who, like from the that. same man who brought you Toki. From the same man who the brought id. you Toki, that he brings you with the id. We're back with the id. What do you think about the id? Uh, it's so fucking baller. I love it. <clears throat> um, I can't. I mean, it seems like a place where you can really. Learn how to be a fucking man, warrior, honestly. honestly a fucking man, these woman, are, warrior, these are, these are beast. Men. I want it's unbelievable. The, I want to put one of these men and one of the nootropic people in the same room and mm-hmm. just see what see what happens. So and now Alaskans that have nothing to do with oil or dog sledding that's what they'll do. Make, they'll are make now like, what the fuck? They're man consultants. No, no. Here's what I'm saying. Alaskans that have nothing to do with oil, like we just talked about, or dog sledding are like, what the hell? There's some normal Alaskans out there too, guys. Oh, you, and now Canada and Alaska added to the list of people that hate us. But I will tell you, everybody north of the United States is in trouble. <laughs> We're gonna piss them off. We're gonna piss everyone off. Alaska is in the United States, which which means that Canada is actually not north. I'm of sorry. It. So again, I mean you fuck the, up, the 48, again, you fuck up Canada, the main 48. Canada, Canada, we love you. Alaska, we also love you. Jesus. Okay. Christ. 
Okay. What's up with the, the race? Yeah. The id race. The reason they have it is that it's also used as a way to commemorate Alaska's most famous dog sledding event, which is captured in the 1995 Disney movie, as Adam Balto. mentioned. Balto. Okay. And now we are going to, I'm going to tell you the real story of Balto. <laughs> that was fucking perfect. In, like, here's Balto's story. In January 1925, the children of Nome, Alaska were dying. These are the, these are the, I'm really sorry. I know the kids were dying here. I, I just kind of think it's Nome, but you can keep going. But I, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm sure someone do, out there knows. Do you want me to do what I do to names? What? Do you want me to just No, call, no, call don't. Please no? don't. Please don't do that. No. Okay, exactly. Go so for it. There's you need to correct me. There's sick children. Honestly, there's so much sick shit in this episode, but I'm just, I am a butcher. I am the, I am the butcher is here. <laughs> in January 1925, the children of Nome, Adam's dick, Alaska, were dying. So they were infected with a disease known as diphtheria. It's a terrible respiratory disease mm. where you die from suffocation. Mm. And so the kids were like, I guess it's not lethal to, to adults, but the kids were dying from it in this little in this little village that has no connection to anything outside of it. Mm. Nome is at the top of Alaska. Anchorage is at the bottom. Again, that's where this race goes from. From the very bottom of Alaska to the top. If you just look at the map, bottom, top, then you'll, you'll get the race. Okay? The doctor at the time believed that the children of the village would like all basically die from this. The nearest batch, but there was a serum for it. Okay, There was a cure for this medicine. And the nearest batch of that medicine, medicine got to Anchorage, Alaska, which was a thousand miles away. So the, the ice was too bad in the harbors to sail around. Planes at that point had an open cockpit, so they couldn't fly in sub-zero temperatures. An and open fucking cockpit in a plane? Yeah. So they oh, could, right, right. They yeah. could, so they couldn't fly. So it was up to the dog sleds. Amazing. The okay. only way for the village in the, all the way North Alaska was going to be up to dog sledders. Mm-hmm. So the governor at that time, he set up 20 drivers at different checkpoints. So like one driver would go like 90 miles. Hand it off to the next one, then they would go 90 miles. You you get it? Like a checkpoint relay race. Mm-hmm. And that he like recruited the best drivers and dog teams from up and down the country. So so the best, the best dudes, the biggest, the baddest dudes are gonna move this serum that the village all the way in the north needs. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. The first team was was with Musher Wild Bill Shannon, who used nine Malamus to get to his destination. However, the winter was so bad that year that he couldn't run his dogs fast or they would basically breathe in too much frozen air and die. So he had to get off his sled and he had to run next to his sled to raise his own body temperature. Wild Bill? Yeah, Wild Bill had to run with his next to his dogs to raise his body temperature. He still got hypothermia and frostbite, but he was able to hand off the serum um, to the next musher. Okay. Yeah. So... So the mushers knew that each moment the serum wasn't there meant more kids were dying. Yep. So they needed to like, they need to get that shit there. Like, like hours were mattering. Right. So the country's most famous musher named Leonard Sapala took on a brutal 91 mile leg. Like the, he was like, I'm the best musher. I'm taking on this 91 mile leg. It's fucking dope. Okay. To cut time, he tried a, he tried a risky shortcut over the Northern sound which is part of the sea. So he just basically tried to cut over the sea, which is extremely dangerous because the sea ice can crack and you'll literally be floating out in the sea. Holy shit. So, I mean, the coast, are they going along the West coast? 
I'm not sure at this point, but he had to, he was cutting across the sea to cut off a ton of time. Okay. Maybe yeah. a bay on the West Coast. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. Know. So, but the problem is there is that the ice can crack, right? And he can go out in the sea. So it was really dangerous. Yeah. His lead dog, a 12-year-old Siberian Husky named Togo, and his 19 other dogs were having a tough time because it was, it was 85 degrees below zero. Oh my God. Yeah. He finally made it to, to the next musher, like supposedly an hour or two before the sea ice cracked and it all went out to sea. Oh my God. So if he was an hour or two later, he would have died. Jesus. But he did it for the kids. Yeah. Finally, it got to the second to last musher, Gunnar Kassan. And he, had, he unfortunately had to set off in a blizzard. He was squinting so hard, and he said that he couldn't see anything at all. He couldn't see the trail. He was completely lost. Mm-hmm. Enter. Balto. Okay. All right. So his lead dog, Balto, had been on the trail before. And although he was unable to see, Balto smelled the like the trail and like where he needed to go for the town. And he he just he was able to follow the trail himself, Balto. Whoa. Without the musher at all. The musher the musher couldn't see. Is Balto, see Balto's the lead dog? Balto's the lead dog. Imagine, you know, like a blizzard, you can't see like in front of you. Yeah. And Balto's just going right on the trail. Yeah. <laughs> um then like winds of 80 miles per hour hit. 80 mile per hour winds in minus 85 degrees. Oh my god. That's what's going on how, right wait, here. Wait, how did he not let freeze? Me, let, me, let me tell you what's going on right here. What let do me, you have to wear to not just freeze? Hold on. Let me summarize it for you. There's a serum that if it breaks, uh, all the kids in the village are going to die. And mm-hmm. if you don't get it there, all the kids in the village are going to die. It's minus 85 degrees and there's 85, 80 miles per hour wind. How do you stay alive out there with like clothes? I, I don't understand. I have no idea. Part. Okay, I have no idea. But but they fucking did it. And this is why Alaska's done a great job with coronavirus. Okay, because they're fucking hard ass people. 80 mile per hour wind flipped the sled and it and it landed the antidote in a nearby snowbank. So the, the, the sled flipped and like the antidote flew out and landed in a snowbank. And Kassan had to take off his mittens and rummage in the snow for the antidote. And he would later suffer like severe frostbite because of that. But he had to. He had to get the serum. Oh my god! I know these dudes are fucking. Wait, sick. so the serum fell off in the snow. The serum fell off the 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 sled when it flipped over and went into the snow. And Kassan was like, "I have to take my mittens off to to go through the snow and get so he, it." So he so he got it. So he fucking did it. But he suffered like really bad frostbite from it. But oh he did god. it for the kids. These dudes sacrificed for it. Kassan finally arrived at the next checkpoint, but the team there was just a bunch of bunch of a holes, and they weren't ready to move on. So he was like, fuck it. I'm taking it the final yards myself. Frontier, Alaskan man. <laughs> After covering 53 more miles, the the first, the villagers of... Wait, you know, wait, sorry. The team wasn't ready to go? They weren't ready to go. And he was like, fuck it. We can't wait. I have to get this serum down to the village. What the fuck? I know. What the fuck, guys? It's like how I feel about some real estate agents sometimes. Yeah. Come on. Don't you want some money? So he went... Okay, 53 so miles. After covering 53 more, mile, more miles, the first, the, the villagers looked out. You know, the villagers of Nome, their children have died. They looked out, and the first thing they saw was none other than Balto running down the main fucking street. Whoa. Mm-hmm. So wait, so wait, he still couldn't see, right? So Balto just smelled the town? Balto literally smelled it. That is literally the best sled dog I've ever seen. That's got to be the best part I've ever seen. Yeah, it is. So it would seem. Just keep going with your story. La, 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 la. So, the relay took five and a half days, which cut the previous time in half. Four dogs died. Oh my god! But the serum cured the residents of the disease. Totally cured them. Really? 150 dogs and 20 drivers made it happen. 
Baldo. Okay, some 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 shit about the aftermath. Balto became an American hero, and in 1925, in New York Central Park, Balto Balto became Balto was present actually, as a statue of his likeness was unveiled. What did he do when he saw the the statue of himself? He probably just wanted a bone. Probably wanted to go pee on it. Probably wanted to go pee on that statue. <laughs> I think I've seen this in, in Central Park, but he probably wanted to go pee That's on so it. That's so cool. But anyway, I'd you, love to see it. You New Yorkers out there, go take a walk in Central Park and go find Balto. And that's the story of Balto. Chapala, Chapella, remember him? He was the the best musher in Alaska at this time. Champion musher. He did the 91-mile route across the ice that cracked. His, him and his Siberian Huskies also toured the country and even appeared in a cigarette commercial. Really? <laughs> Lucky Strike cigarettes, yeah. Oh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. They got in there. To the winner go the spoils. Right. So he was actually pretty bitter. Oh, no. Why? Well, the reason he was bitter is because he felt like Balto got all the fame for ending the route. And not anyone else who did but it. But also, but his lead dog, Togo, who went across the 91-mile stretch, he considered that stretch that he went on. The mar- hardest one. The hardest one. And harder than what Balto had to do. So as as he said about, as he said, it was almost more than I could bear when the newspaper dog, that's what he calls Balto. Oh, wow. It was almost more than I could bear when the newspaper dog received a statue for his glorious achievements. That's what he said. Because he wanted, he didn't like that Togo didn't get the glory he deserved. Right. Or yeah. anyone else. Or anyone else. He didn't fucking like that. But the thing was that the villagers, the, the dog that they saw was Balto rushing down them to them with serum. And Balto did do some shit, honestly. It wasn't like Balto would, did nothing. Wait, he got to be in a cigarette commercial. No, 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 no. Balto, Balto. No, I know, but uh, um, Shepala? Fuck, Tokugawa, Tokugawa Yasu. To- Togo, Toki got to be, Togo <laughs> got to be in a cigarette commercial. He right? did. He did. After, you know, after winning the, after defeating and becoming the Shogun. No, I agree. I mean, I'd be better too. I understand. Yeah. So, <laughs> the, this is, Togo dies in 1929 and his preserved body is at the id. The Aditarod race headquarters in Alaska. Oh, really? Yeah. So when you go to the race headquarters, His preserved body. You like can what? see Togo's preserved body. What does that mean? Is it like a, is it like a hang up of a head on the wall, like a like a deer on the wall? I don't know. I don't know. What does that you mean? Know. Preserved dog it's body. It's fucking preserved. Is it it's like a bomb, like a I, mummy? I don't fucking know. Is it like a dog know. mummy? I, I get it. What the fuck does that I, mean? People are gonna preserve preserve. What do you mean me. preserved? It's embalmed. Is, is Togo's head on the wall? I don't fucking know. What if your dog... If, Fuck you. When, when Ollie dies, are you going to put Ollie's head on the I'm wall? I'm going to preserve my dog in my room just staring at me. <laughs> so this is really... This is the most random thing and I think it's really funny. Balto... He's rapping to Balteezy. Balto somehow, after his fame faded out, he lived the rest of his life at the Cleveland Zoo, which just seems so like, why Cleveland? Why? Right. Like, so random. Shout out Cleveland. We love you, but it does seem random. Um, and now his body is on display at the Cleveland Natural History Museum. Once again, also preserved. Yes. What do you mean his body's but, but, on display? But, but do, you, do you see how funny this is? His body is displayed not in Alaska, not in, Cleveland. in like New York. It's in Cleveland. Cleveland, we love you. I'm just saying. It just seems kind of random. A lot of people say that before the Golden State Warriors, Cleveland Cavaliers finals, yeah. LeBron James and Kyrie Irving would go right. look and at, look at Balto. Balto's dead body. And say, and they would how say can that, I, how can I a final? get a finals? Run sniff down the main street of the NBA final. finals. But that is the story of Balto and the id. Where I will refuse to say the name again. I'm There you go. It's fucking fucking, fa- fucking fantastic story. It is. Fucking fantastic story. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a musical break. And after that... It is going to be time for Open Kimono. 
16 dogs I mean like literally 16 dogs that are eating 10 hamburgers a day imagine the scat of that just one dog just feeding your dog 10 hamburgers what would they do when you had to pick that up This is the Open Kimono where we freely talk and discuss our final thoughts on the topic and leave nothing to the imagination. So I'm going to start off because you just did a lot of talking. Save your voice for just a second. My Open Kimono is that Alaskans are, Alaska is a unique state with many unique challenges. And also I would just, I'm just dying to visit this state now. And I would, and the Iditarod stories Good job. sound like an amazing story of courage. Absolutely, and, for, and frontiersmanship, and it just and makes toughness. me makes me think about my own life. And now I I absolutely exhibit no courage during my my day. I find it difficult to just get out of bed and walk my dog, let right. alone sled right. dogs over a hundred mile blizzard. Right. Snow, so what's your open kimono? Um, my open kimono is that Alaska's fucking awesome, and the id, it kind of shows all the best parts, like just like the toughness of Alaska. I did a rod, and the Balto story <clears throat> is also incredible. Incredible story of sacrifice. So fuck yeah, Alaska. Can't tell if Alaskan if you Alaskans if you're gonna like us more or less after this episode, but we love you. Shout out to Sarah's boyfriends. I hope that they are dog sledders. Shout out to the tongue eating louse. Okay, don't don't fucking come up to Alaska, you bitch. Yo, you fucking stay come, in the tropics. They'll get you. They'll fucking get you. Um, guys, you can find us at do underscore nature at Instagram. If you like the podcast and you've listened to a few podcasts, if you listen to one podcast, listen to another one, see if you really like it. If you don't, you know, I get it. If you really like the podcast, I don't get it. If you really like the podcast, though, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps us get great guests and continue on this train, on this, this crazy train that we're on. Ladies and gentlemen, we love you. We love you. We'll see you next time. You guys take care out there.